0: Welcome to the Calvary Cast, a podcast from Calvary Bible Church in Grand Junction, Colorado. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of His people, and the great commission.
1: Well, greetings, listeners of the Calvary Cast. We're back. Hello. 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 How are you, Jess?
0: I'm doing well. How are you, Graham?
1: I'm good. We've just been talking, so we actually know how well we're doing. But this is for the audience. Yep,
0: this is for their benefit.
1: This is the awkwardness. I'm Graham Parker, associate pastor here at Calvary Bible Church, and you are?
0: Jess Miller. I am the lead pastor. That's right. Lead. Over Graham Parker. but <laughs> oh,
1: oh. well, we believe in a plurality of elders. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, anyway. Well, it's good to be back. We are um, continuing what we've been doing, studying the Bible.
0: Yep, and today we're going to look at um, a text out of James chapter 5.
1: You know, I was thinking we should really call these podcasts now like tricky texts or tough texts. Yeah, some of them are going to be. Some of them are. Some have been more devotional, the Psalms, but what we're doing today, we're calling a tricky text.
0: Right, because sometimes it's one of those where you read through it in your devotions and you don't quite know what to Mm -hmm. do with it. Um, This one isn't as bad as some of the ones, no, I don't want to say bad, but um, whatever, tricky tricky as what we'll look at in some of the future ones yes but this is uh this is the text about um somebody calling for the elders to come pray for them and anoint them with oil and it talks about healing and um sin and lots of different things in there
1: and to be honest for those of us in our conservative theological circles passages like this make us nervous sometimes it can
0: it could be and you know why that is because we don't always have the answers to people's questions from it.
1: That's true. So hopefully we can give some answers and it won't make you as nervous. Right. And yeah. we can obey it.
0: Yeah, that's right. Because, and with a text like this, and any of these, you know, the quote unquote tricky texts that we look at in the future, um, it is okay at times to interpret a text and say, I'm not even 100% sure on this particular point or that particular point. Here are the various views. Here's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. But then it's a good exercise to zoom out and say, but what is the main point or points that the author was trying to put forward? Because sometimes we can get hung up on things that um, sound foreign to us Mm -hmm. or we don't quite understand them or um, good believers have disagreed on it over the centuries, you know, and, um, and we get hung up on that and that can be a deterrent at times for us. But to be able to have that ability to just say, well, I think it's this, but I'm not 100% sure, but here's the main point the author right. was trying to drive. And I think in all of those passages, you can get to that main point or points. Right.
1: Because we believe in the doctrine or the uh, the reality of perspicuity that Scripture is to be understood by God's people, and we believe that it can be. That's even right. Even tricky
0: text. Exactly. And He intends for it to be understandable. Some Scripture He intends, I think, to be thought provoking mm-hmm. like it makes you sit there and think and that is really good um or even as uh, paul told timothy in second uh, timothy he said uh, think over the things i say and the lord will give you understanding and in other words the things he was saying might not have been immediately apparent to him but he was to give himself in thought and attention and meditation to it mm. trusting that the lord would open it up to him yeah and that's how we can approach some of these texts. Yeah.
1: And uh, yeah, and like you were just saying, even in things that you don't fully understand, there's always going to be something that we'll be able to draw out. That's right. So James 5, you want to read the passage for us?
0: Yeah, let's do that. James 5, I'll begin in verse 13. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brother, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death, and will cover a multitude of sins.
1: So I think what we want to do is focus mainly on the on verses thirteen through sixteen. There, right, exactly. You know, And And we're going
0: to let you kind of take the lead somewhat because you've taught that you just taught this to the youth not too long ago. Yep.
1: We just went through the book of James. uh, Well, I guess it was last year. (laughs) Right. And uh, so did spend some time thinking about this. And And I'm
0: here to hear what you have to say (laughs) and then correct you (laughs) if you're wrong. That's right.
1: Correct me if I'm wrong. That's right. And I I might be. Well, I, I don't think so. Uh so yeah verses 13 through 16 are kind of the the ones we want to want to focus on and there's some questions that arise and maybe even as you've read this passage and as Jess was reading it now some of the questions might arise around like what is this prayer of faith in verse 15 uh what is the purpose of anointing with oil in verse 14 uh why is there a discussion about committing sins and being forgiven right after talking about the prayer of faith and the healing and then why is there what seems like an assurance of healing, that if this prayer is made, the Lord will raise up or will heal this one who is sick? So those are some of the questions I think that people should have when they come to this text as they're trying to understand it. Um, but like we were talking about, there's some obvious things in this text that we need to bring out first. And so we want to bring out some of those things. And I think the first one, and really kind of one of the main points of this passage, is just the issue of prayer. Uh that's an important part of the Christian life. Uh, it's an important in all states that we live in, right? So he says in verse 13, Are you suffering? Anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise, or also pray prayers of praise. And then he goes to, Is anyone sick? And he gives prescription for uh, prayer for the sick. And also down in verse 16, there's an instruction that, that we should be praying for one another, right? So prayer really permeates this entire passage, and even... Uh, verse seventeen and eighteen, there's an illustration of Elijah who prayed and rain brought forth after after years of drought. So I think that's the the first obvious thing. the The second obvious thing is confession of sin. Uh, he talks about that in connection with this this uh, prayer of faith and the healing in verse fifteen, and also in verse sixteen, the instruction confess confess your sins to one another. We can just take that as a standalone command. Christians are to be people who are confessing their sins and confessing to one another. And then there's a third, I think, obvious thing, and this is, I think, where sometimes because we don't understand the passage, we don't take the direct instruction of verse 15, or verse 14 to call for the elders of the church by those who are sick. So I think that this is an instruction. Those who are sick in the church should call for the elders and let them pray over them. Right.
0: Now, this inca- with the... Um well, I don't know if we're heading there this quickly. We might be. Well,
1: not yet. I don't know. Okay, because like, <laughs> you, uh,
0: you know, I was thinking a few things. First of all, let me let me just say this about prayer. It does seem like there is the tendency in some of our lives to use prayer as the last resort, and that yes. may even be with physical issues. So you're going through um, physical suffering of some kind, and maybe your last resort is to be praying about it. But I think even here we see um we see that idea of of prayer as not the last resort it is really the first thing and the thing you're doing through it and after it you know you're yes. all, you're praying at all times and in yeah. every c- uh, circumstances as paul tells us mm-hmm. um and then the incorporation of both for uh for being sick and and also for the confession of sins we see the language here that's so important to catch, and that's the incorporation of the body into your, the body meaning the church, yeah. into your life. So you're sick, and you you can't attend church. Is the understanding here, and um, and you you you're summoning the elders of the church to come pray for you. Uh, You're confessing your sins to them, perhaps, if, if there is some connection between uh, you think God has given you some connection between your sin, maybe something you're struggling with in the sickness, which we know from this passage and others that that's possible, uh, possibly the case, but also just the one another, the idea of confess your sins to one another, that one another is the church. So um, we are praying and we are participating in the church, even in these situations, right? It's pointing to those very clear things. You're, you're nowhere in scripture called to live out your life. Um,
1: independent, independent church,
0: dependent of God or independent of his church.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a really important point to bring out in this and just see, yeah, the community of faith and how God uses that. And that really is like the last thing I was going to bring out verse 15. Everyone should be praying for one another and praying. I think here specifically is talking about physical healing. Um, we send out a, a prayer email every Monday, which I need to do later today. Uh, and in that, there's a lot of physical requests for people in our church. We should all be praying for one another.
0: Yeah, yeah. And we should be praying the for physical things. Yes. I know at times we've said, um, you know, I've I've taught through Paul's letters and the examples of his prayers that spiritual matters are the priority when we pray for one another. So even in the issues of sin and different things. But we are. God has created his physical creatures, and in a fallen world, we get sick, we get hurt, and those things are very real to us. And it's not like they're unimportant. Yeah, these are things we need to be praying about for, uh, for ourselves and also for one another.
1: You know, and just to add on that, we'll go down a little rabbit trail here. Uh, but the the connection of our spirit and our physical aspects, right? So like physical ailments affect me spiritually in a way, like I respond to them in such a way. Uh, so people praying for me and coming alongside me and encouraging me by letting me know that they're praying for me, uh, does uh, tremendous things in my heart and mind. And, and so be praying for one another, let, let others know you're praying for him.
0: I think that's a good point.
1: Okay. So let's kind of try and answer some of the, some of the, some of these questions that come up. So the first one I think is in verse 14 is the, where James says, is anyone among you sick? And the reason that we need to talk about this is because some people interpret sick to mean spiritually weak. So there is the first question you have to answer is, is James talking about physical ailments or spiritual ailments? And I think the context shows, uh, physical ailments. Um, somebody we respect and admire greatly. John MacArthur takes this passage to be completely spiritual and, I'm sorry, but he's completely wrong. <laughs> so we'll just, we'll throw that out there. I don't think this is speaking of spiritual weakness. Um, and this really follows with Jesus's usage as well. James is probably the first New Testament Letter written, and James was the brother of Jesus, and much of James's letter really reiterates things that Jesus had taught. I mean, there's there's so many times where you're reading through James, and you could go to the Sermon on the Mount or other places where Jesus is teaching, and James is just reiterating a lot of what Jesus has said. And so, when Jesus uses the same word for sick, it's always used in a context of physical sickness. Now, other New Testament writers use this same word, uh, or they'll use this word sick and it will be a spiritual sickness, but there's always a qualifier that's added to it, and James doesn't do that. So I think we can, we can understand, first of all, James is talking about physical sickness, and we need to understand that because that's how we uh, interpret the rest of the passage. Um, the second thing in verse 14 is that there is a responsibility on the part of the person who is sick to call for the elders of the church. Um, and this, I think, is that this person who is sick uh, believes God's word, takes it by faith what is written here is written here and says okay because I believe this is true I'm going to step out in faith and I'm going to call for the elders of the church to come and anoint with oil and pray over me the other thing that I think because the question is always then too well what sicknesses should people be calling for you know I have a common cold should I call for the elders to come and anoint me with oil and pray over me and I don't think that that would be wrong, but I do think what is kind of implied here and uh, what other people who are smarter than me have have kind of taken from this is that the picture of, of them praying over him is that the person wasn't able to even get up. They were really, really sick. And so this is a, uh, in this situation, uh, they should call for the, the elders of the church to come and pray. And then there is that question of anointing with oil in verse fourteen. Why? Why do they anoint with oil? Should we anoint with oil? What is the purpose of it? Um, and really, what I think the oil here pictures is a consecration aspect. So it's a picture of setting this person apart for uh, the working of God in healing. Uh, so we're praying that that um, this person will be set apart for God's special attention uh, as we pray, and that He would He would heal heal them. There were times where, like, oil was seen in a medicinal sense, um, but I don't think that's what uh, what James is talking about here. And then we get to verse 15, and this is where I think stuff really kind of, some of the questions start to get tricky, because what we see is this, in verse 15 he says, And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick. So there's a couple of things uh, that that we need to deal with. One is this idea of the prayer of faith. And the first thing is, who is Praying this prayer of faith is it the sick person in calling the elders, or is it the elders? And again, the context shows us that it is the elders. This prayer of faith by the elders uh, is is what does this work of saving the one who is sick. Um. So we have to ask this question: What is well? Let's actually. There's another thing that we have to bring in here too. Uh, that prayer of faith, and then there is almost it seems like an assurance, right? The prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. So what James is saying is that the the elders that come and pray this prayer of faith, uh, when they do this, there is an assurance that the Lord will save this one, or will also raise up or heal this one who is sick. So how are we to understand this this phrase? And the best. Uh, interpretation I think I've seen of it that makes sense in the entire context is that this specific prayer of faith is a gift of God, a spiritual gift that is given at God's will at different times to the elders who pray. Now we always pray in faith, believing that God hears and He answers according to his will, uh, but this seems to be a specific prayer of faith that James is talking about that the Lord uses to heal or to save this person.
0: And wouldn't that be really important because if we understood it as every time you're sick you and you, um, let's say a person is uh, uh, terminally ill yeah. and they call for the elders of the church to pray over them. And if your understanding of this passage is every time they do that and they pray in faith, I'm going to be healed. Um, that can be quite confusing to people. Especially when they're not healed, right. because clearly, and James would have known this, that it is not always God's will to heal yes. a person, uh, and we know that because James is dead, and so are all <laughs> the people he wrote to, right? Right,
1: and and so much of James's letter deals with suffering and suffering well that's not going away. That's right.
0: So what we're what you're saying is. Uh, As you looked at this text, you're coming to the conclusion that that prayer of faith is a specific gifting that God would give in a specific situation. It's not guaranteed every time, but it could happen where um, as they pray and uh, one is gifted with the prayer of faith, that will guarantee the person's being raised.
1: Yeah, and it's not like a a gift of healing, Mm -hmm. uh, and it's not something that, you know— uh, an elder would walk around saying, "I have the gift of faith, the prayer of faith." Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it is, some, as I understand it, something that the Lord, yeah, in specific times, mm-hmm. gives. Yeah, and why we we don't know, but He chooses to heal through this means from time to time, and there's things that we're supposed to do, mm-hmm. right? I think as as elders, if somebody calls us, right, we go and we pray, and we pray in faith, asking the Lord to heal, knowing that he can and will, and sometimes he chooses to use that.
0: So when when elders go do this, and they pray with a person that is sick, they're not, I, I think, I don't think that the, that we should just be praying for healing. I think we should be praying for healing. Uh, every time I, I see nothing wrong with God, if you would be glorified in, in healing this per, uh, person, please do that. Um, however, James also tells us some other things that we could be praying for that person when we're praying over them, right? I mean, if we start the, with the very first a chapter in verse 2, count it all joy, my brothers. When you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So that is a good uh, a good few verses yeah. to be praying as well. Right. Lord, we know you've brought this trial into this person's life because you love them and you want to produce good things in them like steadfastness and you want them to grow in maturity through it so we would be praying this as well it's not just for physical healing and then the other thing as we look at James 5 and you're probably going to bring this up but it's that idea of um and uh and if he has committed sins he will be forgiven there's this idea that as I picture this I'm seeing the person being able to make a connection between the particular illness that they're experiencing this chastisement if you will from God and a sin that they know of um that they feel that's the reason this is happening and um and and so there's another thing you're praying for them to be forgiven and and for their um, mom- uh, their daily subjective relationship with God to be restored, right? right? Yeah, and so those types of things are spiritual things that you're praying yes. through this, and it's not just the the physical healing right. aspect. And we, and this is a good another thing to say, just a little, just a little rabbit trail, connecting everything in our lives to our relationship with God and our spiritual good and growth is so important. Uh, To facing hardships, even in sickness, and especially if it's prolonged sickness and we have, oh man, we have people in our congregation right now going through cancer and cancer treatments. These are prolonged, very scary, dark times. And it's like uh, having your mind ready before that time hits and it's going to hit for all of us to one degree or another. You know, having your mind prepared that, okay, trials come, here's how God uses those, here's how he wants to grow me and stuff is important to know before you hit the trial. Right. But then in the time of trial, you can, you can always remind a brother or sister these things in a very gracious way um, and not a callous way. You know, you say something like, I'm just about to tell you now, you know, what you already know, but I yeah. just want to remind you of this because this is what the Bible says about our trials, and that's what I'm praying for you, and, and I'm praying, too, that you're going to be healed.
1: Yeah, that's good stuff. So, you already brought it up, but in in verse 15, the last part, dealing with this, with the issue of sin and being forgiven, and then also in verse 16, the issue of confessing your sins to one another. And, I, and what we need to, to understand is that there is a connection between sin and physical illness sometimes. Um, we think about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, where Paul is talking about uh, the Lord's Supper, and he says, some of you have partaken of the Lord's Supper in a wrong manner, and that's why some of you are weak, or some of you are ill, and some of you have died, right? So there is a connection between sin and physical illness. Yeah. The Psalms, we talked about Psalm 38 last week, right? I think there, you know, there's a connection at times between sin and physical feelings. So, there... You know,
0: we think, like, even that, we better say this, uh, clarification on that. Yeah. Like, we don't always have to say, every time we get sick or hurt or whatever, this is because of this particular sin. And, um... I would think that in those situations, God's going to make it known. Yeah. Like, just like through Paul, he was making it known to the Corinthians. They were probably like, why are we also (laughs) sick? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) well, now I'm letting you know. Yeah, And I think, like, there would be a, in the life of his people, he's not going to leave you in the dark on that. If that's, if he's using that trial as something that is a chastisement for uh, a sin you need to deal with, you're going to know it. Yes.
1: And Jesus offers a correction to this way of, to thinking that all physical illness is a result of sin. In John 9, when he's with his disciples and they come across the man born blind, and they the, the, this culture that James is writing to had this, this thinking that all physical illness was a result of sin. And so the, the disciples asked Jesus, Rabbi was, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And Jesus answered, it was not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him, right? So the Lord used this man's blindness to display his power and glory ultimately in healing him. So understand uh, not all physical illness is a result of sin, but there are times as well where it is. So I think there's a responsibility on the part of the person who is sick to check their own hearts. Right, to examine themselves, to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't know if there's sin in my heart in my life that may be contributing to this, but I want to make sure that I'm right before you. And there's an assurance, right, in verse fifteen that if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. So for the Christian, that's that's who James is talking about here. This is a Christian person, a person who's trusting in Christ. They can have the assurance if they deal with their sin, if they confess it, it is it is already forgiven. We're a forgiven people. We we live from the per from the from the state of already knowing the forgiveness of Christ. And James also clarifies that not all uh sickness is a result of sins because he puts that word if if he has committed sins, he will be be healed. So there understand that there is that connection between sin and uh Physical illness, and then verse sixteen is really kind of a almost a conclusion, right? Because he ends, he gives us that phrase, that word. Therefore, therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. So, some sickness may be a result of sin. So we confess. We we talked about that. Uh, and then there is to be this just regular pattern of confessing sins to one another. And then the other aspect is that we are praying for one another and praying for healing one—praying for one another's healing. And I think what James is talking about, this is to be a normative pattern in the church, right? The church is to be a confessing people, and the church is to be a praying people praying for one another. And all of this really takes place in the context of, of knowing God's forgiveness for sins, which we talked about in verse 15— Uh, knowing the forgiveness that that God has given and knowing that God heals through prayer. God chooses sometimes to use prayer as a means uh, that he heals.
0: So we live in a world that's afflicted with the fall and with um, the results of sin. Part of that is suffering, trials, uh, both external and internal, uh, sickness and suffering. And um, through all of it, we turn to God in prayer. We turn to the church. And uh, and this is a beautiful picture of the church taking care of the sick and the elders doing that and other people praying for them and um, just kind of being a part of this Christian life together in, in the context of a church.
1: So if somebody in our church is sick and, and it seems like pretty severe or is serious illness, should they do what James is?
0: I think so. I, I think what they would find is it would be a blessing. Yeah. You know, we just did this not too long ago for uh, somebody in our church. that called us out and um, we, we go out and the, and the four of us went as elders mm-hmm. and um, we sit around and we read scripture and we tried to say some encouraging words. Um, we brought our hymn books and we sang a couple of hymns uh, and, and, and then we prayed over the person. And even in uh, obedience to this passage, we uh, put some oil on her uh, forehead. We didn't pour it over her. <laughs> <laughs> like they running you know? down Aaron's beard. No, just a little bit, just yep. symbolically. Right. And um, to me, those are important moments. And I had that, you know, I even remembered this morning as you and I were talking about this. I had that done to me, minus the oil. They didn't bring the oil. But um, the elders of the church, when we were in South Carolina, I went through an extended period of unexplained illness. Uh went on for months. And, um, and finally they came out and uh, prayed for me. And those things are always beneficial. And uh, God didn't heal me of it that day, but he did heal me. And uh, I'm sure part of what he used... Uh, to heal me were the, were the prayers of his people to him.
1: Yeah. Well, we hope this conversation has been helpful uh, for the people of our church. Um, if you have questions, again, about this passage or any others, or if you have some tough, tricky text that you want us to try and and tackle and maybe help make a little more sense of, we would love to to hear from you. You can email us at our email address, thecalvarycast at gmail.com, or if you're part of our church, just come and talk to us. We'd love to talk with you about these things. At Calvary, we exist for the glory of God, the good of his people, and the great commission. So until next time.